Hi, it's Jessica Farrow from Wholesome Marketing on Remote Control Season 2. Hi Jess, thanks for joining us for Season 2 of Remote Control. Great to have you here. Really looking forward to chatting about the white paper you produced with the International Association of Business Communicators. I think I'll just call them IABC, otherwise it's too much of a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah, um, it is a bit of a mouthful. But yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Great. So the full title, and correct me if I get this wrong, but The Changing Face of Crisis Comms, a COVID-19 retrospective, a definitive account of the pioneering strategies implemented by the leading comms professionals at the heart of the UK's core industries. Yep, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Again, a bit of a mouthful. I do apologise uh, for these titles. But yeah, that's the white paper we are just finalising at the moment. And yeah, it's due to go out very soon. Great. Um, I was hoping you could just start by telling us a bit about the approach to the white paper, the interviews and kind of who was involved, really. Yeah, so obviously it is in association with the IABC. So um It was a mixture of Holston Marketing and the network within the IABC. Um, In terms of the research, it was a mixture of primary and secondary. So the first sort of section goes through the pandemic as a whole in terms of like a sector breakdown, understanding, you know, the economic impacts, just major industry changes as a whole. Um, And that research was kind of done. There's quite a lot of statistics about at the moment and sort of the office for national statistics has loads of information so we kind of delved into that a little bit and investigated it um and then the predominant focus is obviously these direct accounts from internal comms professionals so these were either board members of the iabc or connections from a wider network that we have already and we sort of outreached to them we had this idea in mind outreach to them say would you please like let's get involved we wanted to get this kind of first-hand perspective because it's fair enough writing about this but if it's yes we know about it but we don't know as much as these senior professionals that are doing this day in day out so we kind of needed that yeah um and yeah we were so thankful for kind of the (laughs) good approach from everyone they were so enthusiastic happy to get involved so we have really senior comms professionals from PPG, John Lewis, Waitrose, obviously, AXA. So it was just really nice to see how involved they wanted to get. And and it was really good to kind of get that first-hand perspective from companies of that size because they're dealing with thousands of employees and also some of them actually have multiple international locations as well. So it was such a broad scope in that sense. Yeah, it seems really wide-ranging with those those companies that you mentioned and um, good to hear that people were keen to be involved, probably a, a little bit of catharsis. I imagine this has been one of the most stressful times of, of their careers, really um, dealing with, like you say, thousands of people potentially spread across the world. Um, and the crisis is, yeah, it's been everywhere, isn't it? So kind of imagine very busy time for them all. Oh yeah. Like I was surprised because I did anticipate that some of them were probably too busy <laughs> to even have the chance to like step out of their day and kind of go through the interviews with us because they're just nonstop um, at the moment. And obviously March was obviously their busiest time, but they're still very busy at the moment. And it was just 
yeah, there was just so much going on for them, but it was great to see them getting involved with this. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed in the kind of the introduction to the, to the white paper is a, a couple of statements and, uh, and one was a quote actually from uh, the Microsoft CEO and, and they caught my eye because I work in a, the tech industry and the tech business. And so, yeah, the Microsoft CEO says, we saw two years worth of digital transformation in two months. I just think that's kind of quite mind blowing really. And maybe hasn't been such a huge thought or focus of the past six to eight months where there's been these huge changes in, in the business for, for people, but also the digital, the technology has kind of really had to move quickly in some businesses that perhaps weren't quite so modern. Uh, and, and KPMG as well, they talk about the, even in a recovery phase, whenever that may be, um, we can expect technology companies to remain in high demand for supplying the remote working environment. I think that's kind of really quite striking that whilst it's going to have a really big impact on, on other industries, there would be an opportunity for maybe tech businesses, the digital side of things is really kind of coming to the fore in those two, two statements and quotes. Yeah. And no, I love that quote as well. So I actually, that quote, I was on a webinar and it had a Microsoft um, team member that was kind of discussing um, some of the technologies and what they've had to do during this time. And she quoted that quote and I was like, that is just so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it just says it in one line really. Um, and it is, it's very true that it's it simultaneously seemed to have identified massive holes in these big companies' digitalization. Like they've just realized that their systems are so legacy that they're not integrated at all. Mm. Uh, they have no sort of hybrid infrastructure where they could take their laptops and just leave the office. I mean, they were still plugged into the mainframe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> that's just so old school. But you forget that these big companies have just been going for so long that actually there's not been that many changes. Um, and at the same time, yeah, these tech companies are sort of run off their feet. I know we've got quite a few tech clients that are, this is one of their busiest times. And also, I think it was Laura from City Fiber, who's one of the interviewees. Mm. She, she was talking about, obviously, they do sort of like the fiber um, and the sort of infrastructure side behind that. Um, and they are very busy and they they already have plans to continue this sort of level because we're not it's very much standard across many of these companies that we won't be returning fully back to the office in the same way it's going to be a little bit of both really so we're still going to need that strong infrastructure to continue this um, so some companies are just really if you've got a technology that obviously aids remote working in any way I think they will continue to kind of have like a really busy season yeah and, and it makes sense I suppose that those companies uh, tech companies are, are rising to the challenge where these big big companies kind of need need the extra support and they've been forced to I guess evaluate how they can be flexible to continue working whilst people are, haven't been allowed in the offices and haven't been allowed uh, in, in big groups so yeah interesting to see how that will continue as I guess guidelines and advice continues to change really yeah 100% and I think it's quite interesting because quite a lot of these technology companies are quite startups or SMEs and they're just so more flexible in the way that they work and the way that they can work than these massive companies these massive companies 
it is a struggle for them to digitalize their entire operations and it would have normally taken them probably about two to three years but if they're outsourcing to these really innovative tech companies they just have the capability to just build something so much faster and implement faster um so there's been a lot of sort of outsourcing oh, okay so was that a bit of a, a theme that you saw through through the interviews was it yeah it's definitely something that we are starting to notice that actually they've kind of just oh you know implemented stuff really quickly um and actually got it from elsewhere because yeah. they kind of just don't have the infrastructure already available really yeah no that, that makes sense okay so i was reading through the white paper and it's, it's really fascinating to see the stories from major uk companies uh seeing their approach to the the crisis comes it's not something that you always see from a white paper those real actual examples uh, and during such a different time for everyone it's been interesting to read those different stories i was just wondering thinking back to the interviews and, and thinking through the white paper are there any that stood out in particular for you about their approach to to crisis comes so far yeah i mean yeah they were all very interested to me it was kind of really I had so much fun interviewing <laughs> and kind of understanding what all these people are doing. Um, but for t- me personally, there were sort of two that really stood out. Um, and I think the first one, again, this is Laura <laughs> from City Fiber, just because she did a simulation and she was only one out of the interviews to do this. And I thought that was such a proactive way of doing things um, in terms of like making sure their method would work for the official lockdown. Um, so the internal comms team at City Fiber did like a business continuity exercise where they evaluated their plan that they already had in place for a viral, viral outbreak because quite a lot of these internal teams do have plans for obscure events. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. So some have, you know, um, an earthquake because closed down one of their offices, you can't go into the office or it's too snowy. So that's blocked off this office or there's been, um, a viral outbreak within this office what do we need to do so some of them already have these sort of plans i guess um but obviously it's maybe just not to the same scale of what covid is yeah um so they kind of ran like a hypothetical scenario and employees were receiving instructions like you will be running a simulation today we need to practice this so and then it was like you need to pack up leave your office and see how it was only a small bubble of people. So like this particular bubble that they'd chosen for the simulation, they all had to pack up instantly, go home, start working from home that day. Um, And they kind of wanted to see how that worked. Did it work effectively? You know, did everyone get the instructions in time? You know, was it basically, was it effective? Um, And actually they started to find that actually they were using emails, which wasn't the quickest way of getting hold of people because some people set off really early to go to the gym or they bike in um so actually they don't check their work email until they get into work um so actually they never receive the email whereas if it was a text obviously it's something a lot more instant and they would have got the information faster so actually they ran a second simulation and they used the text instead so they ran two they ran two before the final lockdown actually happened but i thought that's quite a interesting way of really getting ahead of it and making sure when it is going to happen 
obviously you don't have so much time this all happened within a space of two weeks I think um but they really tried to be on it and make sure that you know when we do this this is going to be done right and it's going to be done to the best that we can do it basically which I thought was really interesting yeah that's a really really good approach and to see such immediate learnings or that the mm-hmm. text was going to be more effective than um, emails to their work account. That makes, I guess, a whole difference to, to their future approach. Oh, that's really interesting. What, and what was the other one that you, that kind of stood out for you? Yeah. So this would be sort of Lisa from, so she's the internal comms team member for John Lewis and Waitrose, um, their partnership. Um, so this was most specifically to do with the keeping connected hub that they had created. So they basically during lockdown, they created a central space that was purely dedicated to giving people, you know, keeping people connected, engaged and feeling supported. Um, so it had like a company radio, virtual exercise classes, award ceremonies, like oh, wow. so many different stuff. They tried to do so much stuff like virtually and trying to like just keep that pos- positivity really. And obviously they are massive. They've got, you know, quite a lot of the John Lewis team were furloughed, whereas obviously the Waitrose team were kind of running off their feet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, two opposite ends of the spectrum. And there was making sure that even though everything's happening so differently, you still got like a place to be where you can keep connected, still keep informed, still feel like you're part of the business. Um, and they took well-being very seriously and trying to keep people positive, which I thought was just quite a nice way of doing things. And I thought like it was so interesting that she was like, she did say that she was so excited to just try out all this different stuff. Like there wasn't anything stopping her trying out all these new things that they hadn't got to do before. So yeah, I thought that one was really interesting as well. Yeah. That's kind of a totally different angle to it, isn't it? That's something uh, new, but with the engagement in mind, as opposed to the crisis this must change it's trying to generate that positivity like you said um and amongst kind of all the all the colleagues and yeah i love the idea of a of a company radio that sounds sounds really innovative i like that yeah i thought that was a nice one as well and it's definitely the only one that mentioned it so i feel like they're kind of ahead of it at the moment and it might be something that they can keep doing as well like it doesn't have to just be a lockdown thing yeah and it's a, a bit of a uh, uh, evolution of the company Spotify playlist, which you know always causes arguments in the offices. So I can imagine <laughs> the radio choice went down just as well. Yeah, I would love it. Like if you just took over, like different employees taking it over for the day, and that was that they were running the radio that day with their playlist. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, I think you certainly find out some uh, some closet S Club Seven or Hearsay fans. <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the next thing I wanted to touch on was um, from the, the from the interviews. Did you find that there was a specific medium or channel that proved most effective across the board? Yeah, so there obviously there was a couple of discrepancies between them, but one of them that seemed to be quite popular was creating a central intranet. So these central intranets probably beforehand didn't have minimal views. Some of them didn't even have any before. But because there was just so many updates and so much information, they needed a place where to host all this information. So some of them were now receiving like 75,000 views in one week. <laughs> That's quite, <laughs> they said, quite an increase. 
yeah so like you think i've probably never accessed a central internet before <laughs> um even when i've worked for these big companies and i was like i probably went on it you know once twice and seventy five thousand in one week is just massive um and i think because it was so constant like obviously there was government updates pretty much every single day and more than a couple of times a day in obviously the first few weeks in march so quite a lot of this time if you can imagine getting emails sent to you every time single time there's an update or a text message every single time it would it became very tedious very fast and you'd probably find that engagement would go down because people have just probably fed up of receiving them yeah um so what quite a lot of them tended to do was just actually send out one email with all the most important emails from that most important updates from that day and then link them back to the central in, intranet for more detailed information around the update um just to sort of i think it helped with the sort of engagement on that side and just making sure people are updated but you're also not overwhelming them because i can imagine that if you've got too many some employers it could feel quite overwhelming and stressful so it was kind of just keeping that balance i guess yeah you could totally imagine a deluge of emails being a um, causing extra concern at a, a time that was already concerning, you know, inside and outside of work. So it makes sense to develop the internet in, in a way that would increase and uh, improve the engagement across across the board. There, so interesting because, like you say, internets um, they're not always the most well visited or or used, and certainly have, get a bad bad rep every now and again. But I think what does make sense is when there is central information that needs to be i guess either cascaded out quickly having that one place where they all are makes makes total sense just wonder um how many managed to stand up to the sudden interest from going for from kind of maybe single or double digit visits to you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of visits and i bet some of the it teams were were struggling in the background (laughs) Oh yeah, I can imagine because some of these percentages, like um, there's a few throughout the white paper of like the increases, some of them are like a hundred percent increase or like the, just the numbers are insane of the views yeah. that they're getting. Um, and can you imagine just all of a sudden one day you've had to move every single person remote working. So your infrastructure is already under some serious pressure and then you're getting this sort of viewage <laughs> on these stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I can imagine the IT team were very stressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine that was a kind of an, an extra burden on, on that team, but um, one that was done, done their companies a world of good. I think mm-hmm. kind of focusing on, on that then, so you, you mentioned the intranet was kind of a, a major similarity across most of the, the interviews. I was just wondering if there was other similarities and whether you can almost pick and choose from, from some of the interviews to create a bit of a blueprint for future crisis comms or is it not quite so straightforward? Hmm. I think there's definitely um, aspects that you can take and can be applied across the board. Um, so something that I noticed was like quite quickly, obviously like um, the crisis meetings or the creating a chain of command. So quite a lot of them already had like a chain of command in place, which I thought was so I think that was very important because as you can imagine, 
if you're in a crisis, you don't want to be sat there. Oh, so who's going to do this? <laughs> where's this? Who do we send this to? And it needs to already be there. Like it, it's just not an option. <laughs> and very lot, a lot of them did have that sort of trainer command in place. Quite a lot of them already had a plan where, you know, they'd all meet certain dedicated team. They already had teams built up that included the internal comms, but also included certain managers from other departments. And they would all have a crisis meeting every single morning. And that sort of stuff was stuff that was already decided beforehand. And obviously, so as soon as the crisis comes into place, everyone knows, yes, I need to be involved with this specific thing. That is my responsibility. Um, it was already there, which I thought was something that it just, it needs to happen. Um, I think this one thing, obviously no crisis is ever the same. And I feel like there, there was something quite interesting with this one where they did each step outside of the box in terms of like the mediums and the approaches that they took. I think, I think it is, there is, there's got to be that basis there, but you can't always stick to the rule books. Like, yes, you may have this crisis plan already in place to do with this particular scenario, but yes, it applies in certain sense, but actually this scenario is slightly different. It just doesn't quite fit. Um, and you have to be able to adapt to what is happening in that situation, not be afraid to try new mediums. Cause like, I don't think, especially in this situation, no one has ever dealt with it before. I don't think anyone's going to be like, mm, no, you use this and we don't like this. Like you've kind of got to go with it. So like obviously the video calls, the yammers, the keeping connected hubs, all that sort of stuff. Like they all try to different mediums, different messaging as well that they probably don't usually do. And I feel like it was quite good that they'd all really took, took the time to understand what was going off at the moment and how, what do we actually need to adapt and what can we try as well? Um, yeah. And I think it's, there's always going to be a sense of like testing, trialing at every time. Um, but I think it was important that every single one of them did get feedback forms from the employees. So every single one of these are currently ongoing or have done feedback forms just to understand how the employees felt about the approach they took. So, and if they have any preferences for the future, so that'll be really helpful for that future you know, that blueprint of any other crises and any other crisis plans, you've kind of got a basis there where you know what your employee base preferred. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was actually going to ask about management and what have been put in place uh, from, from some of the companies that you've spoken to. So interesting to hear about the feedback forms and, and asking for preferences. That's uh, a good way of going beyond just measuring what happened and, and looking, mm -hmm. looking forward to, uh, okay, that's what we did but what could we do differently or, or what did you like from, from what's gone on? So that's an interesting approach. Yeah, I know. And I feel like it is, it's so important to understand that because if you were doing something completely that actually most of your employee base did not actually like that way of doing things and you didn't take the time to actually understand that, that is something that's then going to probably, you're going to continue to do it maybe in another crisis in the future. And actually if you did take, took that time to understand that you will have a better and more refined plan for the future yeah totally yeah i think anything building on what's gone well and even building on what's gone wrong or not so well in the past gives you a much better platform to do something even better or well, hopefully not next time 
but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't want another one. No, but <laughs> let's not jinx it. Um, so we talked about similarities. I'm just wondering what you saw as the most significant differences between some of the companies, and, and just kind of would like to get your thoughts on, on why you think they exist, really. Yeah, so I think the one that's the sort of industries that's like stood out a little bit more um, in their approach was sort of the industrial industries. So a few of the people we interviewed, like PPG and Johnson Matthews, um, are obviously manufacturers, um, very big manufacturers internationally. So they have hundreds of plants aside from offices internationally. So they in that aspect, they can't just pack up and leave and go work from home. That's just not an option. Like these plants are dealing with seriously toxic <laughs> hazardous chemicals. You can't just leave. Can't take, um, those, can't take those home. Can't take them home. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, they had to take a really different approach and be like, look, we appreciate this is a difficult time. Like this is, you know, something we've never had to deal with. Um, we're going to have to. So the guys at Johnson Mafferty, um, he was explaining that for every plant, there is about 120 steps that need to be taken place to shut down the plant safely. So it's not just, you know, a few switch off the lights, like you have to go in one by one and make sure every single them, one of those steps has been done correctly. Mm-hmm. And to do so, they had to obviously, it's going to take a little bit longer because they can't have the full workforce in there either. So they had to go down to a skeleton staff, you know, get them in in certain rotors to make sure this shutdown was happening. Um, and stuff like that, where actually they were still using managers to relay the message in, they still using paper documentation in the sites because sometimes it was still the easiest way to get hold of them. Um, because quite a lot of them, obviously, they're not on the laptops and not on the computers all day. Like they don't have that much access to it they probably might have access like once a day so it's a very different way that they had to do things and some of these plants still had to work the entire way anyway like some of them didn't even shut down so some of them were doing like food packaging coatings um so as you can imagine with all the buyout of the stores they were in quite high demand so ones like that they were still having to continue throughout um so yeah, it was a very diff- they were sort of the most different in the sort of methods that they were using because the sort of work from home, the video calls, the emails, texts, that just wouldn't work because they don't have access to that when they're in the manufacturing site. So they had to go about things a little bit differently. Yeah, that, that's interesting. and I think it, it actually touches on something that I covered in uh, an episode from, from season one uh, where I spoke to to Jenny Field, who's done some research around um, engaging remote workers, and that very much focused on kind of frontline staff in retail and, and manufacturing that don't have access to emails, you know, the entire time that they're at work, and 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 looking at how kind of communication best works for them. So interesting that it's kind of come up again here in a different scenario, but but something that yeah, I guess companies in those industries and sectors will really focused on and may have found challenging i suppose the the digital transformation that um, microsoft talked about has you know has, has definitely has its benefits but it uh, from my mind can't be applied 
blanket across everyone and and there's some good examples that you just kind of highlighted really yeah a hundred percent like as much as i feel like a focus with so many of them will be about the digitalization the remote way of sending things and everyone just going home but quite a lot of these and a few of these are infrastructure they're manufacturing like they had to keep working that wasn't <laughs> that just wasn't an option so it's yeah. very much they had to sit there and maybe work two separate plans for the two separate types that they were working with so it was quite interesting to see how they were dealing with that yeah yeah it's a good point even within the same company there'd be kind of, um, maybe more office-based people that potentially could work from home or mm-hmm compared with people who were yeah, in, in the manufacturing sites. So I think we covered quite a lot of um, what's happened so far in 2020 with, from your interviews. I think one part of it that really interested me was kind of pre- predictions for their future strategies and, and how that would work. And now there's some common themes that came up and I, and I picked up there was a focus on success stories exit planning and remote working. I'm just wondering how you saw these three themes in particular shaping the internal comms plans for the companies you interviewed and uh, and companies as a whole, really. Yeah, so I think for the internal comms team, there's going to have to be a real big thought around how they're going to adapt their plans to meet this sort of new hybrid working model. So you'll have some employees still working from home, you'll have some in the office. So are you going to do double communication? Are you going to get, you know, find a platform that works across the board and kind of developing those plans to be very aware that this isn't something that's just going to, oh, everyone's going back. No, everyone's not going back <laughs> um, as much as we would love to. Um, it's going to be a bit of a while. So for, I would say for like the next six months, and these were sort of, I asked predictions for the next six months a year. They're very much thinking on remote working will still be a common theme because it will be a choice as well, probably for many employees. Um, So yeah, just looking into the mediums they're going to use and kind of understanding which will remain prevalent, which, which maybe you might have to change to kind of appreciate that quite a lot. Some people are coming back to the office and, making sure there's no gaps essentially between the two because mm-hmm. yes we can just we could probably assume that oh yeah they're in the office they're going to tell their colleague um, are, are they <laughs> so like you need to make sure you're just making sure everyone is still getting the same communication the same messaging um, and it's still kind of everyone's working to the same board I guess um, and in terms of success stories this is something that was a huge focus um just across them all really and there was in particular like well-being um because i think i think quite a lot of them had really taken a lot more consideration around being a bit more empathetic and supportive which is maybe something that the employees have not really seen so much from a company perspective um like you maybe had um you know, a mental health first aider or someone to go to if you needed support, but there wasn't just like a blanket support for everyone, I guess. Um, whereas this was like, okay, everyone's sort of in a difficult situation right now. We need to really think about this. So there was a lot of focus of it actually, like we need to make sure everyone's okay. Um, Cause even though everyone might be dealing with something different, 
everyone might be struggling in, in their own way. Um, so I think, and a lot of them to kind of keep people positive and that sort of messaging going out and looking for these stories. And there were some lovely ones, um, you know, people using 3D printers to make obviously masks for the NHS. There were some, um, there was loads of like positive stories of like the employees themselves. So that like quite a lot of the companies were asking employees to send them really nice stories and positive stories because they want to relive this positive messaging out to everyone else um, yeah. and say, Oh, look, one of our employees is doing this amazing thing. Like we want to let you all know about it um, and kind of keep that going because I mean, we keep, <laughs> keep being threatened with a second lo lockdown. <laughs> so I kind of, I guess it's still, it feels a little bit again at the moment, like it's a bit uncertain. We're not quite sure what's going to happen for the winter yeah. and these plans should still kind of keep that positivity going. Yeah, I think it's a good way to try and keep a kind of a sense of community, isn't it, amongst the colleagues and employees to still share stories about what people are doing. Because you'd get that in an office, you'd you'd you know have the the general catch up chats and and sharing good news. So it's good to see companies taking that on board. That just because people aren't sat next to each other, they still want to kind of hear the good news stories that that are going on. Uh, so that yeah that's encouraging and i think that bears out over what you see on linkedin certain news stories as well i've seen from salesforce that they're giving um their employees that are parents that are getting some extra kind of paid leave this year which i think um being a parent myself sound, sounds great but I, I you know i think it it needs that kind of um employee culture company culture for everyone to be supportive of that I, I could imagine that could put some people who aren't parents put their noses out of joint a little bit but i think if you've got a supportive culture it's not that anyone's losing anything it's that salesforce actually trying to help people that perhaps need that extra bit of support and it's maybe just a different way of looking at it from from that so i thought that was a really good example of a, of a company like you say being proactive with the support as opposed to just having something there when you need it, they were actually going out and doing something to keep their employees, um, I guess, so they didn't have to worry about something else as well as the the, the pandemic that's kind of still with us, really. Yeah, 100%. And um, I feel like quite a lot of these companies, they're quite big companies. You hear the name, but it doesn't have like a, a feeling associated with it. And mm -hmm. I guess this sort of positivity and this sort of well-being focus and looking after the employees kind of makes it <laughs> feel like a nice person that's looking after you making sure you're okay and it kind of gives a person behind the company and quite a lot of the ceos were getting involved with like video calls you know explaining what was going off in their home and giving a bit of insight into what they're dealing with um and i thought that was quite nice as well just to really put a face to a company um and there's quite a lot of that. And yeah, it, I think it's definitely something that a lot of them are focusing on of trying to think of ways of how they can help people. But it'll be the internal comms team's job to make sure it's just being relayed in the right way. Um, but yeah, I know it was very good to sort of see that. 
Yeah, a great point about the the company put in the support there. But yeah, huge focus on the internal comms team to make sure it comes across in the right way to the right people and is explained nice and clearly. Because yeah, there's you know certain pockets of I think ambiguity does can breed kind of a bit of discontent sometimes with things like that. But yeah, great focus for the internal comms team there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I've got some controversial answers to this next question in season one, uh, but you don't need to feel any pressure. It's a, it's pretty much a judgment free zone. Um, and I just thought, you know, the podcast is called remote control. Um, everyone has been binging Netflix, Amazon prime over uh, lockdown. So what have you been watching and, and what would you recommend? Oh, so I am a terrible binge watcher. I watch so much Netflix and Amazon. It's, it shouldn't be normal. Um, perfect person to ask the question of them yeah so at the minute so I've been binge watching a lot of Hannibal on Netflix I love that Um, kind of one I've been going back to I've also been watching The Boys um, on Amazon Prime Um, but I've made the rookie error of starting the first season just as the second season is coming out which is so stupid ah. because now all the adverts are popping up <laughs> and I have to avoid them like oh no don't ruin it for me <laughs> so I need to really quickly watch the first season so now I don't feel <laughs> the pressure to like avoid all adverts yeah um, you want to make sure all the characters in the first season are in the second season advert or something like that yeah I was like oh no it's gone and um, <laughs> so that's just it's a bit of a silly it's a bit of a weird one really so it's like a superhero but the superheroes are actually the bad guys, um, which is kind of nice. Um, I, I do watch, I do watch my Avengers and stuff like that. But it is kind of nice to see a bit of a different one. Yeah. Um, and then this is going to sound crazy. You're going to judge me for this one. I know you say you're not, but you're gonna. Um, <laughs> so last night, and she watched um, "This Is Paris." You know the YouTube original around Paris Hilton. Yeah. I actually watched that last night because I was just, the curiosity got the better of me and I needed to know <laughs> what was going off. Um, this episode was going so well as well. I know. I've just ruined it, <laughs> I? I'll, I'll, um, cut, I'll cut that from the final edit, don't worry. Okay, no. Um, <laughs> it, it was all right, actually. Like, because she does annoy me with her baby voice and stuff like that, but I always think she's obviously made so much money and has so much business. I'm like, Mm. she can't be dumb she's not dumb (laughs) she's very smart she knows exactly what she's doing and I kind of wanted to see how she kind of does that um it was kind of it was kind of nice to see like the version of her that it's not the baby voice it's not the dumb blonde it's not the she's like a completely different person and she's just been playing a character for like 30 years which must be so so annoying like (laughs) um but yeah I was actually more more impressed by him than I thought I would be but I I have to watch these things when I just see him I'm like I just need to know now yeah oh <laughs> quite quite the departure from Hannibal and and boys to, uh, just... to Paris Hilton <laughs> like if you look through my history of watching tv <laughs> it's just the most obscure thing because it goes from one extreme to the complete other but I kind of like that because you've got a you've got all your serious ones and your yeah. drama ones and you've just got to mix it in with a bit of just weird comedy yeah Yeah, definitely need some light entertainment uh, viewings otherwise yeah it can become a bit too much can't it yeah you've got to have a bit of fun yeah 
Okay, well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Jess. Um, just obviously before we sign off, where can people get a copy of the white paper from? So the white paper um, is available on our website. Um, so if you just go onto our website, there's a, re uh, a white paper section and you're able to just download it free on there. Fantastic. Right, well, I'll make sure I include a link in the episode notes so people can get to it. Just left for me to say thanks so much. Great way to kick off season two. All right. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Remote Control, an internal comms podcast by StreamGo.